Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal Series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, Down There, Sexual and Reproductive Health, The Wise Woman Way. And Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines, The Wise Woman Way, the newest book in the Wise Woman Herbal Series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a cancer diagnosis, adaptogens for long life, and abundantly well companion course, wisewomanschool.com. You can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, Justine, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Hi, thank you, Susan. How are you doing this evening? Well, I am, I guess, enjoying this very unseasonably warm weather. Mm. Is it warm where you are? It's 
uh, there's a little bit of nip in the air, but it's pretty warm and uh, definitely yeah. unseasonable is on the way. We're supposed to have, like, they're forecasting nine days out that we're supposed to touch 50 degrees. Like, whoa, right. that's weird. That's what yeah. I'm saying. It's like, what? Like, yeah. I would like to enjoy it, but it's a little odd. <laughs> it's a little, like, mm. You know, it's supposed to be really cold and getting colder. The days are certainly getting shorter. But what I really want to talk about tonight is Ryan Drum. Mm. Mm. And I have talked with Ryan Drum a great many times. We have a a best-selling favorite in the archive of Ryan Drum and I talking about thyroid. And certainly there was no one that I respected more for um, views on how to get your thyroid healthy than Ryan. Were you ever in one of his seaweed classes? No, I never had the opportunity to do that. I was, no, I did not. He used to to start by having people paint iodine on their inner arm. And if if you lacked iodine, it would disappear. Mm. And it was really interesting just to start from right there. And his take on what's going on, because he says that a lot of dairies use an iodine wash to sterilize their milking equipment rather than bleach. Mm, yes. And, yes right? yeah. and that nuclear facilities are allowed to release radioactive iodine basically daily. Mm. Wow. So, I was when I was working on abundantly well, and working on the um, pharmaceutical medicine part. I was curious as to what drug was most prescribed and sold in the United States. I personally thought it would be some kind of medication to prevent heart disease, like high blood pressure medications, but I thought, well, no one of those could actually probably take the field because there's a lot of different blood pressure medications and different types. So maybe something like a statin. I thought, yeah, you know, I've talked to enough MDs who would like to see every single person over the age of 50 on statins. Um, But it's not. It's thyroid hormone. Mm. (sighs) Inkillers, it's not... Uh, mood-altering, you know, anti-anxiety, antidepressive drugs. No, it's thyrox, thyroid hormone. It's like I I was just stunned Mm. that that the state of our thyroids is, is there. And so I am so thankful 
that Ryan not only talked to me and allowed me to include that information in New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, but also did a teleseminar, which is still available. Even though he's mostly known for seaweed, and certainly turns lots and lots and lots and lots of us on to using not powdered kelp on your toast, for goodness sake, but actually seaweed, cooking with seaweed, putting it in your food, in your soups, in your stews, cooking with it. Um, I also know Ryan as a lover of red clover. Now, I could have this wrong. It's possible. People remember different things. And even talking with Ryan the last time I saw him, which I believe was in 2019, it was prior to COVID, we were at Botanicals on the beach, and I was reminiscing with him about when I spent time with him on Waldron Island. And how one of the first things he did was he went to feed the ducklings. And as he threw down the corn for the ducklings and the ducklings came running, he was very disgruntled and unhappy. He said, look at that. There's only four ducklings. I had eight ducklings this morning. And he blamed blamed the eagles for making off with his ducklings. And And he reached out and grabbed all four of these ducklings' necks in one hand and just broke their necks. And we sat on this cliff overlooking the ocean and plucked the feathers off them and had duckling for dinner. Wow. Wow. Now, I would not just make up something like that, but Ryan looked at me and says, gosh, I don't remember that at all. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Right? So there is that about memories, even shared memories can be very different. So my memory is that Ryan was drawn to Waldron Island, an island without electricity, because he wanted to harvest herbs that grew outside of electromagnetic fields. Mm. And one of the primary herbs he wanted to harvest was red clover for people to use who were dealing with a cancer diagnosis. And Waldron Island is a very small island. I think the Population is about 60 people. Um, and there is no electricity on the island. And I suspect there's still no electricity on the island. I don't know for sure. I haven't been there in a long while. And over the years of harvesting red clover that grew on Waldron and um, what I call wild tending, which means that you take care of the herbs that you're harvesting so there's more of them. 
so that year after year as you go to harvest those herbs and those plants, they are thriving and there's a lot of them to harvest because you've been taking care of them and tending them. And so he had a really, really big, gorgeous patch of red clover. Again, you know, and I'm absolutely willing to be wrong. To my recollection, it was like an acre of red clover. It was big, right? You could like just look over these waving fields of red clover. And Ryan would just assiduously harvest his red clover. And he's, I believe, the one who taught me to dry the heads, not touching, one by one by one. And red clover was always just gorgeous. It looked like it was just about to jump out of the bag and and come to life. And I'm not sure exactly what or how it happened, but where his red clover patch was wasn't his land. He owned some land where his cabin was, but he didn't own Waldron Island by any means. And somehow the part of Waldron Island where he was harvesting red clover was given to the Nature Conservancy. You know who I'm talking about? It's a very big organization called the Nature Conservancy. And Mm. one of their major works is to preserve land. Mm. And they encourage people who have land, who don't have anybody in particular to give it to, to give it to the Nature Conservancy, and they'll conserve it. And see to it, you know, if you give it to them, they'll see to it. There's a whole long list of things, you know, that it won't be built on and da-da-da. But one of the things that was true of this situation on Waldron Island was that the Nature Conservancy did not want non-native plants. And red Mm. clover, as you've probably noticed in your reading, Mm. is considered an invasive alien. So they fenced the land and plowed up the red clover and took it away. Oh, my goodness. And again, my perception of this was that this was a blow to Ryan. That it just really, you know, it's the kind of thing that that, that you just can't do a thing about, right? Mm, right. Just let go. And, and nature is like that. Nature actually is like that. It um, goes along, goes along, and then, boom, you know, there's chaos. A tree falls. There's a storm. This flood, this fire. Mm-hmm. And we are not in control of that chaos ever. So I decided that Ryan, who is in hospice care right now, having had a stroke 
that has addled his brain and then having fallen and broken some vertebrae, which means he really needs some very great care, um, I've decided to make him the patron saint of the Red Clover Conference. I really wanted Ryan to present at the Red Clover Conference, but he declined. And, you know, I was about halfway there to saying, Ryan, in the 40-plus years I've known you, I've accepted a lot of no's from you, but I think right now I'm going to push this and say, I want you to give me any kind of yes on doing a presentation on Red Clover, but somehow I just never did it, and then I found out that these things had transpired, and I thought, okay, all right, so really, he can't. He really and truly can't. So then we must, we must all remember everything that Ryan ever told us about Red Clover. And it's okay if our memories are different. But I encourage and enjoin all of us to remember Ryan by remembering Ryan and Red Clover. Let's really honor Ryan as he becomes green blessings, as he goes home by bringing to the Red Clover Conference everything we can of what he wants us to know about Red Clover. That could be a little piece you could write. That could be a little short that you make and submit. However you want to add to uh, making Ryan Drum the patron saint of the Red Clover Conference. Wow. Yeah, I've never had an opportunity to meet or be in person with Ryan. I've read some of the things that he has written, and it's always just amazing. Connects so many dots, and it, it's just so, it's the wholeness explained. Like, if you're looking for a way to understand why, how, and it's, he, he just, oh, so beautiful, his writing and looking at his website, everything that he shares is so available. And I've heard the teleseminar that you and he did about thyroid and it's, wow, he's just, oh, and I've heard him tell the story about harvesting yarrow where he just transdermally had exposed himself to so much yarrow that he just laid back in the field and a few hours passed before he was ready to, you know, keep going with the harvest. And he realized that, wow, that yarrow was, you know, taking a moment with him. <laughs> so mm, I, as Lucretia Jones said, when, when I shared an email that you shared about Ryan, that she had hoped to always, you know, hope to get to study and learn and be in person with Ryan, but there's still the dream time. So I definitely invite that um, for sure, for sure. Would love to go harvesting seaweed on Waldron Island in the dream time or wherever else Ryan wanted to go. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Ryan, you may think that you're taking it easy, but nope, we're not ready to let you go. We still want you to take us on walks and 
take us out in the rowboat. I'll tell you, that was some of the mm. hardest physical work I've ever done is going out in that robot rowboat and then um, hauling those tofu buckets of wet seaweed up the hill because Ryan lived at the highest point of the island. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he uh, he was also someone who really turned me on to dermal absorption. He talked about how, and I don't remember, um, how he wound up being the sole caretaker of his two sons. Um, But after the first laundry, he looked at them and he said, Sons, I'm not going to do laundry. You all are going to have to go naked. (gasps) And since they lived on an island with a fairly mild climate and very few people, so you really, you know, you're just really on natural there. It was, and these were two young boys, really young, you know. So it was really okay that Ryan just didn't want to do laundry. And what he said was that his kids not wearing clothes taught him about the herbs because he could see when they were rolling around or playing or fighting in a particular herb patch how it would affect them. That's so amazing. You know, when you were just telling that story, like as soon as you said the way he solved the thing with the laundry by just saying go naked, I like heard you with the goats and that, oh, no more fences. I'm just hurting goats. And then, then you go into, like, what he learned from that and how the kids taught him with the dermal, what's on their skin, and how, haha, the kids, your goat kids, taught you. Um, and right. Anyone who hangs out with them. Yeah, it's so cool. Take off your that. clothes, pull up the fences, and look what happens. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So what's been happening with you these days? Oh, did you find out that even though people were pushing one, that it wouldn't let them get through? I did hear that, yes. So now if that ever happens again, I've got to work around, like, in mind. So if it ever happens again that I keep asking for questions, just know, everyone, that I'll go – to the first number in the queue and ask you to please push one. And if we have a problem like that, then I'll just start opening lines and asking if you have a question or not. And well, no, I just, you know, it, I, it, it could have crossed my mind, but it didn't. So we had a nice talk. I hope, um, yeah, that was so impromptu, but. Yes. <laughs> I heard from several people, we had questions, there were lots of questions, but but the system wouldn't recognize our ones. Yeah, I don't uh, know if they're doing it up as long talk or what, but remember a few weeks back, it wouldn't recognize me when I was trying to log exactly. in and post happening. So, yeah. So that was last yeah. week for sure. Um, yeah. As far as this week here, we had... Um, this week, hopefully, our ones will be accepted. And we have a wonderful guest this week, Charlene Osterling, who um, does something called a Stupid Good World International. Mm-hmm. She is an athlete, a chef, an artist, and a life guide. 
and she spent years studying herself and learning from clients, friends, and mentors, and thus was born a stupid, good world. She had the help of three amazing healers using three different healing modalities, and they were able to show her how to surrender what she thought she knew about life and to see life from a new perspective. Wow. And the result of that was her book, A Pinhole of Light. Charlene is going to be with us at 9 o'clock East Coast time. Stick with us until then or come on back and find out what she has to say about that pinhole of light writing from her soul through her fingertips. Anything else you want to share tonight? Well, I just want to ask, I want to be a little nosy, did um, did the goat date happen that you had scheduled for your weekend? Did your goats go into heat, did, and did they see the box? Oh, wait, you can't schedule when a goat goes into heat. I'm well, expecting no, but them to eat about the 15th of the month. Oh, okay, not quite yet. Okay, last week when we were talking, you weren't sh- we weren't sure of the day, and, and I wasn't sure because you had mentioned maybe it would have happened last weekend. But, okay, I was just curious yeah. if it happened again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, okay. no, that was my – I've been wondering about that, that situation up there. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So let's see how we do on getting some questions this week. We got hands. Hooray. Everything looks working, and um, I see four hands already. I'll remind everyone listening that if you have a question tonight and would like to ask and speak live with Susan, please just press 1. The system is recognizing that signal, and we will see your hand, and you will be invited uh, to open your mic and speak live when it is your turn. We'll go first to the 907 area code. In the 907, you are live with Susan. Hey, Susan. Hi. Uh, I have a question. (laughs) Um, How can I send you – I have these two photos of a low-tide – and it's just miles and miles and miles and miles of kombu. Oh my gosh. And I and I I think that would be a good photo for your tribute for the saint. Well, I want those that is beautiful, but I want to focus on his relationship with Red Clover. Oh, Red Clover, okay. Red Clover because I'm making him the patron saint of the Red Clover conference. Okay. I'm focused okay. on this other herb. He is certainly known as Mr. Seaweed, and there's lots and lots of photographs and information about him in seaweed. What I want is for us to uncover and to explore what Ryan had to say about red clover. Okay. Okay. As okay. I know, so it's very, very important to him. Yeah. Yep. Okay. My question. <laughs> uh, I tried calling last week and I couldn't get through. I was like, oh, my God, I need, I need to talk to her. So last week I had, uh, I had to go to the emergency room. And that's something I would not normally do. I mean, this was 
pretty scary. Long story short, I had an AFib. Uh, I don't know what would you call it. I had AFib. And um, they had to do like a cardio, what's it called, conversion. Uh, it was either 48 hours on a drug or they zap your heart into back into the rhythm. Okay, that was done. You know, they didn't give me any drugs. Everything was going good. I was back to normal. A few days later, I start getting all freaked out again, and I go to the emergency room, and um, they diagnosed me with acute anxiety, like borderline, I guess, PTSD or whatever, and uh, no drugs, tests are good, blah, blah. And um, that's where I am. So I'm thinking, you know, I've been relying on Skullcap and um, Mother Wart. I just have to friggin' get together when I start getting this anxiety stuff. So I'm calling about what's something that Skullcap works. You know, I go to bed, it works for that. I I don't know how much I could keep taking that. Is that something I could just always depend on? Or is there some you other... You can. Uh, can. I, I have asked people who feel very anxious to put a bottle of motherwort tincture in their pocket and to take even a few drops of motherwort tincture in your palm, like you can put five drops of motherwort tincture in your palm and lick it up, as soon as you start thinking that you might be anxious, don't wait until you get anxious. Don't wait until it's that panic attack. Because the panic attack doesn't happen in a second, right? Right. It builds up. It builds up. It builds up. Or there's, there's a kind trigger. Of, there's for... kind of a feeling like something is maybe wrong. Right. Right. They asked me. They, they, they asked me. And then, uh, like, the asked... feeling that there's something wrong makes you really think there's something wrong. And then the, that you think there's something wrong really makes you feel like there's something. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. At the very, very beginning of that, you start taking another word. As soon as you, soon as you have that... That is something wrong since you start taking motherwort right then. And if you have to take it every five minutes, you take it every five minutes because you're only taking a few drops. Mm. Mm. Yeah. You can um. also take a whole dropper full and repeat it every two minutes to stop a panic attack. Oh. God, you know, you know what they gave? Well, they did give me something, but I didn't take it. It's some kind of, it's actually an antihistamine, hydrooxyzine or something like that. And uh, like they only, they gave me like eight of those. And I'm just, I don't know. I'd rather do like the mother ward. Mother ward. You can keep it in your pocket and you can also have... Numerous bottles of motherwort. So there's one in your car, and there's one in the bathroom, and there's one by your bed, and there's one in the kitchen, right? So you I never have to look. Never have to look for the motherwort. Yeah, 
Yeah. You don't want to so be looking for it. It's going to make you more anxious. Exactly. And I don't put a fancy <laughs> label on it. I usually put a label that says mom or mother in big letters. Okay. Okay. I, 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 you know, I actually have to get more of it. I, I, I do use that. I didn't know how to use it. I, I don't you know find motherwort as soporific as skullcap. To me, skullcap is really sleep-inducing. So it's hard to yeah, take well, it. Yeah, yeah to take it during the day if I want to be alert and do things, but motherwort isn't sleep-inducing. Okay. So it can be okay. taken throughout the day. Now, lemon balm and lavender are said to work just about the same as motherwort. So if for some reason you don't live where motherwort grows, but you have a lot of lemon balm, or you have lavender in your garden, because you're probably not living where lavender grows, although some people might be in Provence, um, Mm -hmm. you could use lavender or lemon balm instead of motherwort. I have a very strong affinity for motherwort, and to actually tell you the truth, I don't like lemon balm at all. Mm -hmm. I like lemon verbena, and I like lemongrass. Okay. And I even like the lemon-scented geraniums, but I, the lemon balm is just kind of not a big favorite of mine. But people who really like it, and a lot of people really like it, use it the same way I use motherwort. There was a woman. And- there was a woman that I met who was very nervous and very anxious and having a really hard time at her job because of it, and. She decided to make a lemon balm tincture to help calm herself down. And after the six weeks, and she decanted it, the lemon balm said, take that and pour it over another jar full of fresh lemon balm. So she had mm-hmm. the tincture, right? And then she chopped up another jar full of lemon, fresh lemon balm and poured that tincture over it and let it sit another six weeks. So she had a double tincture, and she thought, this is this is really going to, like, you know, totally make me bulletproof. And when she decanted it, it said to her, do it again. She's like, what? So she did a third time. She filled a jar with fresh lemon balm and poured her double tincture over it and waited another six weeks. And she said that triple tincture, indeed, one or two drops of that triple tincture, and you could have set off a bomb next door to her. <laughs> she said nothing, nothing made her anxious once she got lemon balm at that strength. Wow. I have, and past- I've been growing lavender, and I've been making lavender oxymel, which is honey and vinegar, mixed together about half and half, and then poured over the fresh lavender. And I will admit that I think that when I have lavender oxymel on my vegetables, that I always have more pleasant dreams. So the dried lavender. Mm-mm. You know, I'm making oxymel oh, with my, my fresh lavender, yeah. Mm. The leaves and the flowers and the flower stalks. Just chop them up and pour a mixture of honey and vinegar over it and let it sit six weeks and then enjoy it on beets, carrots, potatoes, salads, beans. 
oxymels are fun. That's, they make great marinades, yeah, yeah. fish, so very versatile. I wish I could get that fresh. Um, passion flower infusion tea. You could do you could do passion flower infusion. You sure could. And I, here's I, one, Susan. I tend to use it as a tincture. Okay. That's sleep-inducing, too, though, right? I'm sorry? Passion flower, isn't that for sleep also? I don't find it very sleep-inducing. Okay. It, it is calming to the nerves, without a doubt. But when I take passiflora, and I usually take the tincture, and it's usually of the flowers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I feel wings open up from my heart. Mm. If I have to like go and have my blood pressure taken, I get a little anxious just being in the doctor's office. So I'll take some passiflora mm-hmm. beforehand, right? Like when I get right. there, like take a dose of passiflora before I go in. And I can just feel the my blood vessels relaxing and expanding and my heart opening and the rhythm of my heart steadying. Motherwort and Passiflora are specifically known for countering erratic or uneven heart rhythms. Oh, there you go. That's it. Yep, and they can be they can be used. They're both nutritive, tonifying herbs, so they can be used regularly. It's you can't really overdo it with them. Perfect. I I have one other question. Um, one of the attendants uh, that was in the hospital, you know, we we were having a conversation. She was calming me down. Blah blah. And she said, this is, you know, be, you know, a little over the top, but something to do some research. And I said, okay, you know, I'm open to it. And she mentioned microdosing with psilocybin. What's, do you have information on that? Not that I'm going to go jump and do it. I, to- I totally understand. Um, I'd just like to, in, you know, in do some general, research. Gen, in general, my experience and therefore my belief is that what you really want to do with psilocybin is you want to take enough psilocybin to see reality. Reality. Psilocybin is not a hallucinogen. It is not going to make you see hallucinations. But it will let you see right down to the atomic structure of matter and to see the oneness of things. Once you have Mm. actually taken enough psilocybin to have that realitron effect, 
And that might need to be done more than once, although for some Mm -hmm. people once is enough. Then and only then can you refresh that with a microdose. Hmm. And then it, it, she was saying how you know, she she was <laughs> this is you know if she, if she was caught saying what she was saying to me she'd probably throw her out of the hospital but she was saying how you know she she was she's done it and you know she, how it just reset the brain right but a tiny little bit doesn't re- reset. Okay. Once you have had enough to have that reset, then a tiny bit can do that. But it's it's as though I ask you to do something you'd never done before, but didn't give you everything you needed to do it. Right, right, right. Right. Once you've done it, Right. Then I can say, oh, do this, and I don't need to give you all the instructions because you know now. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And how wonderful that psilocybin is being more openly used and openly talked about. And at the same time, there is... Uh, growing evidence that um, women who want to experiment with psilocybin um, are finding themselves in sexually compromised positions, which they did not expect or want to be in. Mm. And that their recounting of these things is um, often met with um, suspicion, gaslighting, being put down. We know the whole scenario there. And this seems to be especially common when microdoses have been used because it's not enough to really change you. That's unbelievable. That's wild. So I pass this along with all respect for anyone's experience and to uh, reiterate that set and setting and safety are always important when we are using psychoactive plants. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and, that makes absolute sense. And to me, the safest and best set and setting is nature. Mm-hmm. Because I have seen videos of people doing guided psilocybin sessions in which they are laying on a couch with a mask on their eyes and headphones on their ears. Oh, yeah, that would make me go crazy. See that? I I would, no. <laughs> Being in the woods is fine. I can, I can handle that. 
Right. So, something with, so on I, one yeah. hand, we have, let's call us the wild psilocybin girls who say, oh, no, naked in the woods, right, kind of thing. Yeah, and you don't have naked to, in the woods. I'm just saying that because we were talking about dermal absorption before. Certainly you do not have mm-hmm. to take your clothes off to take psilocybin, although often you will want to once you've taken psilocybin because they kind of get in the way. <laughs> But uh, so that's on one side, right? The wild, wild naked in the woods girls with the psilocybin, and then on the other side is only professionals should be allowed to prescribe it and to guide trips, and they have to have a lot of training, and it's very expensive. Yeah, and, and who we, knows what they're implementing in that is going on. That, that when people say let's legalize it, that's what is going to happen. That's what legal looks like. Yeah. 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 Uh, but naked girls in the woods licking birch sap. That, that's more my speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be in an office with, no, no, I wouldn't feel safe. In that and situation. if you're going to do that, I want you to have a plan for what you're going to do. If you feel your heart beating erratically or really hard, I don't want. Yeah, this is. I don't. I don't want you to put yourself in a situation where that could happen, and you have taken psilocybin, and now now you're really totally of two minds about what you should do. I want you to really exactly. think about that if you're going to take psilocybin beforehand. And if you need to, oh, write yes. down what you're going to do. Should my heart start beating like this, this is what I want myself to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So you have it so you've taken care of yourself. You you have probably been listening to me in my saga here of um, going from coming out of the hospital and basically being able, able to eat mashed potatoes without skins um, to putting every food group back into my diet. And the ones, of course, giving me the most trouble are the brassicas, all the cabbage family things, and beans. And mm-hmm. um, Oh, yeah. Um, I really, they're such good foods. I want them in my diet. But, oh, yeah, buddy, yeah, uh-huh. And so I had some Anasazi beans. The other night they were Anasazi beans that I had soaked and then dumped the soaking water and then cooked them with like a lot of kombu. And I didn't eat a lot, maybe two tablespoons, but I did get a really bad gut ache. And fortunately, um, before the pain totaled my ability to think, I said, heating pad, heating pad, what will, what will cure this pain is a, your heating pad. And sure enough, within a couple of minutes, it was fine. Yeah. So we need, to, we need to set up things for ourselves like that. Because we know that we can be in situations where our thinking skills are not going to be top of the line. Exactly. Hot water bottle is one of my best friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, you know, Susan, if you have a hot water bottle, you have to have a chambermaid. And since you don't have a chambermaid, it's a heating pad. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Thank you, Susan. Thanks I will be doing some. I'm going to be doing some motherwort lapping. Motherwort, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, to be continued. Thank you, thank Green you. Blessings. Green blessings. Good night.
Good night. All right, and I'll remind everyone, if you've got a question and would like to speak live with Susan this evening, please press 1. We'll see your hand go up in the queue and open your line when it is your turn. Um, At this time, there are five hands raised, and we'll go to the next caller in the 919 area code. The 919 with Susan. Good evening, Susan. Hi. Hi. Um, so I have, I have like a, I don't know, a question, I suppose. Um, can I give you like the backstory and then? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so about, I'd say about two months ago, I started to have a really bad toothache, um, on the tooth that I have a root canal in. And I don't have, currently have like a, a normal dentist. So I had to find a dentist who would, you know, look at it, and um, they x-rayed it. They couldn't see anything wrong, but they prescribed me antibiotics. Now, before I even went to the dentist, I had tried my echinacea. So I had, like, been taking a lot of echinacea that I made, as, as um, you've described many times. Um, okay. But it, it you, had, you had tincture of dried echinacea augustifolia? Yes. Yes, and I was taking about three to four droppers full um, uh, multiple times a day, and it multiple wasn't Multiple times a day being four See, times like, a day, six times a day? Yeah, I'd say probably like six times a day, more or less. Okay. And the, the pain just progressed really quickly. So, uh-huh. um, like over the course of, let's say, two days, and by the time I actually got the, the dentist appointment, it was like quite bad. Mm-hmm. So, you have, um, ac- you have access to poke root tincture. Oh, no, but I have poke. Uh, yeah. No, no, of course I do. Yes, I've made poke root tincture. I just never use it. But, yes, I have some. The, if the echinacea isn't pushing back hard enough within 24 hours, start adding poke. Oh, okay. That is great to know. Okay. Because that will usually push it over that edge. Those infections in the roots of the teeth are very difficult for the body to get to. Yes, yes. Okay, so that's really good. into normal circulation in the normal way. And it's why dentists do root canals because it's just such a touchy area. Even the antibiotics have a hard time getting in there. Yes. Okay. So that's so useful to know for, for it, God forbid, it happens again. <laughs> but Also, okay, so, it really well, helps a lot if you can drench the tooth in yarrow tincture. Okay. And you can do that by, like, taking the glass dropper and putting it right at the gum line. Mm-hmm. and kind of forcing the echinacea tincture down into the space down under the gum, right? Yes. If it's hurting, it's probably swollen. It's probably inflamed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that means it's a little spongy and open, and you can actually get the yarrow down in there. Okay. I have seen, although I don't know where to tell you to look for them, what's called a bent needle. And it looks like a regular 
syringe, but the needle is bent at a right angle. So it comes out of the syringe and then it bends down so that you can actually use it to inject echinacea tincture or yarrow tincture between the tooth and the gum. Okay. And that can also carry those anti-infective agents down in there. If you haven't worked with poke at all before, then I would say use a drop of poke with your echinacea in the morning and another drop with your echinacea at night. If you have worked with it and know how you would react to an overdose of poke, you can use more. One of the kind of interesting things with herbs is that when when they're really working for us, we tend to be able to absorb a lot of them without any side effect. Mm-hmm. So if it's that severe infection and you need some poke root and you've been working, you know, you know yourself with the poke root, then you can actually put one drop of poke root in every dose of echinacea, even if you're taking that multiple times a day. And if you get any of the symptoms of overdose, just stop taking the poke for a while. Mm-hmm. You can't okay. injure yourself or kill yourself with a bug. You can give yourself diarrhea or an upset stomach or visual disturbances or out of body experiences. Okay, that's super helpful, yes, because I haven't really worked. I, I've made it years ago just to have it on hand, but I have not. Good, good. And um, there it is, ready for you. Yes. The other thing you might want to have on hand is tincture of myrrh. Mm, okay. And myrrh is a resin from a pine tree. It has to be tinctured in grain alcohol. Vodka won't do it. Mm. And it is a very powerful analgesic. In other words, it stops the sensation of pain where you put it. The yarrow is too, but myrrh, especially for infections deep in the teeth, is really outstanding okay great i have i I have i was standing in a street corner in germany with my sweetheart and i looked at him and i said what on earth is wrong with you and he said my tooth just started hurting and it really can just like you know on a street corner just suddenly like your whole tooth is throbbing Mm. and he really looked bad And I looked across the street, and there was a homeopathic pharmacy. And we marched right over the homeopathic pharmacy, and I said, do you have mother tincture of myrrh? And they said, yes, because the homeopathic remedies start with the mother tincture, which is the same as our tincture. And we were able to get the mother tincture of myrrh, actual tincture of myrrh, and put it on his tooth. And within 20 minutes, all of the pain was gone. Wow. Which was really great, because we were in Germany, not near the dentist. Mm -hmm. We usually yeah. use, right? Yeah. Right, right. Right. Yeah. And now he now whenever he travels, he takes his tincture of myrrh with him. So we can't he can't always know that he's gonna be near a uh, homeopathic pharmacy. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay, so those are a few things for your toolkit, right? Okay, yes, absolutely. And I'm gonna keep them and keep them in mind. Um so okay, so the story continues. I 
ended up taking the antibiotics because the pain was that bad and I, I didn't have these tools, so now <laughs> I, I know better. Um, and the antibiotics made the pain go away, like almost completely, which, which you know, I got, I was very confused because it's like, like exactly what you said. They were saying there's not vasculature there that where the antibiotics will, will eliminate the infection, but it, it made the pain go away. So I, I made an appointment with an endodontist because that's what the dentist told me to do to actually check on the root of the root canal um, or, you know, where, where the infection was because they couldn't actually see it on the x-ray. So I go to the endodontist. He does one of those, like, 3D imaging, which I wasn't thrilled by. And he saw, you could, you know, he showed me on the scan where the tissue at the very top, like right next to my sinus cavity, where it was infected. So he said, um, there's a surgery for that. So I said, do I have to do the surgery? He says, well... If you don't do the surgery, it will likely happen again because there's bacteria in there. Um, the, root, the root canal was done well, but there's, you know, a pocket of bacteria that's anaerobic and it's just going to be there. And, you know, this might happen again to you in a year. It might happen again to you in a month. Um, so I took his word for it and I've, I went ahead and, and did the the oral surgery. But this time I felt more prepared with my various herbal um, allies. Um, so I've kind of, I, I've been very diligent. So I decided because I didn't want to take more antibiotics because they wanted you to take antibiotics prophylactically like beforehand. So I was like, well, let me do a really diligent job with my herbal antibiotics or my herbal, you know, tinctures um, instead of taking the uh, penicillin. Yeah. And so that's what I've that's what I've been doing. So I've been using yarrow, um, echinacea, propolis because I made a, I've made a tincture of propolis. Um, and my friends told me the berberines and Oregon grapefruit. So I had a I had an Oregon grapefruit tincture. So I've been using those four. Um, as my kind of, kind of like a mouthwash, but then, and, but then taking, like um, consuming them. Um, and along with, you know, I take nourishing herbal infusions. I've been upping my comfrey um, just for the healing process. I guess my, I had, I had a lot of, honestly, anxiety while I was getting, it was a, it was a very quick, like 20 minute surgery, but I was like, very nervous because they make you feel like, I don't know, like you need these antibiotics, like the, you know, prescription ones. You know, what I, I say, you know what I say to someone who, who's pushing antibiotics? I say, are you telling me that you are operating in non-sterile conditions and you fully expect me to get infected? Right. That's how I was feeling, Yeah. And they're always like, they always are taken aback and say, oh, no, no, it's standard procedure. I said, mm, I understand it is standard procedure. And you know, standard procedure is very good for people who eat a standard diet, but I don't. Yes. 
Me neither. <laughs> so you and I need to come to an agreement that I am not a standard patient and that your standard procedures are sometimes not what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I really want you to take that to heart, too, and to to remind yourself that this is their standard procedure, but you aren't a standard person. Right, yes. You're a healthy person. They don't deal with healthy people. They don't know how to handle healthy people. Right, right. Yeah, it's so hard to remember that when you when you interact so little with kind of, you know, quote-unquote, like, standard medicine, Western medicine. So I, you know, I, <laughs> yeah, I was just like, oh, my gosh, why are they having me? Is there something I actually have to be afraid of? So I, like, read articles, and it sounds like if you have, like, a heart condition, that's, like, one reason that you would actually want to take antibiotics. Um, but otherwise, like, there wasn't good reasoning. So I, yeah. And so I building of like confidence in your like knowledge of yourself. And I guess one last question I had about this is, you know, it was, it was a surgery that required cutting my gums open and it's healing. I think really well, I can't actually see the incision, there's stitches and stuff, but because I don't want to like pull my lip up that much. But I'm kind of wondering, there's soreness there, and I'm just curious, like, what should I pay attention to that would denote infection? Like, because I, I, you know, on skin, it's like I look at it, and I'm like, it's red, it's inflamed. Um, so I'm kind of like trying to, to figure out, okay, I just want to be conscientious of, like, the initial signs of possible infection in case and there is something. Got, you've got them, right? Ruber, redness. Uh-huh. Right? Heat. And swelling. So basically, so, like, it's a little so bit as, swollen. As yeah, say, there's going to be those things uh, because there has been a surgical intervention because your gum has actually been cut. Mm-hmm. And in general, what you would expect to see is the lessening of any pain, any redness, any swelling, any inflammation as you heal. If it seems to turn a corner and get worse, then that Mm -hmm. is probably indicative of infection. Okay. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I mean, that's kind of what I was, uh, how I was feeling, but I guess the, I just wanted to hear like a like comp- kind of confirmation from you that yeah, sometimes yeah. I I feel like with herbal kind of allies that I'm using especially for acute conditions like this sometimes I get like tired almost and like a little bit anxious of how much I'm taking you know and um 
and I have to remind myself that if I was taking a pharmaceutical antibiotic, I would be like, you know, it's that idea that you always talk about, about the, the um, degrees kind of, 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 of harm that even herbal medicines can do. So I'm kind of like, but I have to remind myself that, like, I'm, I'm taking a lot because I'm not taking a, a pharmaceutical, right? Like, so I just want to make sure, like, I'm kind of... Not gonna be, you're not going to be taking it forever. Right, right. Right. So we have certain things like infusions, which are daily, and then we have other things like poke, like echinacea. Um, that you're using, which are, as you say, for the acute condition. So right now, you're rinsing your mouth with a mixture of four herbs, yarrow, echinacea, propolis, and organ grape. Mm-hmm. And the problem with that is that if it's successful, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. Just because I don't know which... <laughs> exactly, right? In the same way that you have more confidence in an antibiotic than you do in, in, in echinacea because you've seen the antibiotic work. Right. I like to have you build confidence in something that you can do again. Mm-hmm. I think the Oregon grapefruit is redundant. Okay. And certainly yarrow is a wonderful application before, during, and after oral surgery. And I would just let it be yarrow topically. And okay. if I felt that I needed an anti-infective, I would probably work with the echinacea. Mm-hmm. And I think also when we go back to using the simples, we don't feel like we're taking too much. Mm-hmm. Because it does. It seems like a lot because there's all these other things. Right. And there's nothing wrong with propolis and there's nothing wrong with Oregon grapefruit. They're just not really needed. Okay. And the only way for you to see that they're not really needed is to back off of them. Mm-hmm. And I want to circle back around to my saying, and if you're taking echinacea and you're not getting a pushback on the infection within 24 hours, then we add another herb, then we add the poke, but we don't start out with four things. Okay. Is this making some sense to you? Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I would, I mean, yes. It all works. It all works, but I also want to see it build your confidence and work in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean that's that's yeah. I would. I, it's almost that thing of like you just. I just want to be sure it works. But yes, yeah, so like I'm I'm happy for it to be simpler. So um, <laughs> yeah. And that you know that idea is pushed a lot in herbal medicine. 
Like no. if this herb and this herb and this herb all do this, we might as well use them all together so that we can be sure it works. But ironically enough, what happens is that now you're not sure it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. No, I like that. Yeah. All right. Thanks for sharing. Green blessings. Good night. Thanks so much. Okay, good night. All right. And it looks like we have four callers that are waiting with their hands up. So we will go to the 703. In the 703, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Thank Hi. you for um, thank you for letting me to ask you some question. I called before too and asked you about uh, asthma I have. So uh, it was a couple of years ago. So recently I did the breathing test, and the breathing test. Um, I don't take any medication. My asthma is mild to moderate. The well, I took, in fact, when I was diagnosed, I took for a year the low dose of steroid, then um, the, the puff. But then I researched about it and I read it and it said, it's not good. I don't want to take it. I take my herbal infusion as I talk to you and you encourage me to take. I follow that. Um, but the thing is, um, right now, I'm a healthcare worker too. And the thing is, right now, I did, um, after three, three years, I did the breathing test. And my breathing test, I don't know how they couldn't answer my question. So when I looked at the research, it shows, um, I, I call it SEVI percent. Um, it was on 2020, it was 79. And now 23. It is 76%. Um, so my doctor recommended me, she said, I, I recommend you to take a low dose of steroid puff that does not going to affect your bones because I have osteoporosis. I am 59 years old. So I said, no, I don't want to take. I, um, I know Molayan, um, uh, you told me it's good. So I want to know if I want to take, in, I want to make, in, I ordered Moloyan online and I just received it a couple of days ago. If I want to take that in um, infusion, um, I know you told me at one point to mix it with the milk. Um, my problem is with the milk is when I'm drinking milk, it gives me a lot of flame. Uh, I have to spread all the time. I was just wondering. I understand uh-huh. that you believe that. However, science cannot back you up. Okay. If we look at milk, orange juice, and water, mm-hmm. the orange juice causes the most mucus production in the oral tissues. Oh, yeah. The water next and the milk the least. Okay. So I, you can certainly believe that. However, what I'm going to ask you to do is to get organic milk mm-hmm. and to get mm-hmm. the best milk you can get. If you can get pasture milk, 
You pasture milk it, at the very least organic, and pasture. And what happens when you add the milk to the mullen is that the milk is one of the greatest healers for the lungs that there is, and it is also one of the greatest tools of longevity and breathing, interestingly enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In Ayurvedic medicine, there's a study of longevity, which is called the Rasayanas, and there are healing foods, healing Rasayana foods, and milk is the healing food for the lungs. Okay. See, I didn't know that. You see, and this comes from India, where they honor the cow, and they don't have all of these hang-ups that modern America seems to have about mothers. Because, after all, milk comes from mothers. Okay. And if we have a problem with milk, we probably have a problem with mom. So, I need to... So, it's a good opportunity to renew a loving relationship with... I have a towel from Holland that says, Usmem, our mother, in a picture of a cow. Mm-hmm. Renew the relationship with Usmem by adding some milk to your mullins. You weigh out one ounce of dried mullin, put it in a quart jar, fill it to the top of boiling water, stir it. It will absorb some water, pour some more water in the jar so that the jar is really full of water. Put a mm-hmm. lid on it, let it steep overnight, strain it through material, an old napkin or something like that. There's hairs, and just straining it yeah. through like a sieve, like you do with the other infusions, isn't going to work. really has to be yeah. cloth. Mm-hmm. And then often what we will do is we warm the milk with chai spice, C-H-A-I, chai spice, and we actually put it out on my table and pull all the peppercorns out because I don't want the peppercorns, but I want all the other chai spices, the, the cardamom and the cloves and all of that. You can just make your own chai without the pepper. Mm-hmm. So, the, so the milk doesn't even really taste like milk anymore, right, because it has these spices in it. Mm-hmm. And then you have mullen chai. And you can keep them separate and just add them together when you want to drink it. And what I say is don't measure it. Put the, put some milk in your cup or glass and then start adding mullen until it looks and feels right to you. Oh, okay. So it can be more So maybe at first there's going to be a lot of mullen and very little milk. But I think mm-hmm. that as you drink it, you will want more and more of the milk in it as you feel how your body responds to it. But give yourself an opportunity to take it slowly so that you can see it's not going to cause any mucus production. So can I, um, I make myself a kefir with the goat milk. Mm -hmm. And I I drink um, like a half a cup of goat uh, kefir every day, every morning. Can I can I make um, goat milk? Boil the goat milk and add. You can use the goat milk with your mullen. Sure. I don't know if I'd use the kefir because I think it might curdle. No, 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 not kefir. Kefir, I drink it separate. You drink Um, it separate. You can use the goat milk in your mullen. Absolutely. I can't do that. How often, or how much often? 
um, infusion of the, you know, Molain infusion well, I can use I want to back up just a little bit first. Mm-hmm. Um, because mullein is a wonderful herb for the lungs. Mm-hmm. But I am not getting a really strong sense that there's anything wrong with your lungs. Mm-hmm. What is seems to me to be going on is that you are not using your lungs as well as you could. Yes, I have asthma, they tell me. Yes. Yeah, because my breathing is 76% right. it's not from that there's 20. a problem with your lungs, it's that there's a problem with your breathing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there, there, of course, are all kinds of breathing exercises. Mm-hmm. They're called pranayama in yoga. Okay. There's a person who advertises in Woodstock and it says you're probably inhaling too much. Oh. And it's true. Most of the work I've done to improve people's breathing, we focus on the exhale. Biomechanically, the fact of the matter is that you are going to inhale. That will happen because there's a negative air pressure. Mm-hmm. But the exhale is muscular and diaphragmatic, right? Yes. In order to completely empty the lungs, you have to have a powerful set of muscles in your diaphragm and the ability to move that diaphragm. And that's why we focus on the exhale. So a very, very simple pranayama that you can do mm-hmm. is to pretend you are blowing at a candle or a bunch of candles. Okay. So And set, set a timer mm-hmm. and blow out candles for a minute. And then the next day, blow out candles for a couple of minutes. Keep increasing the amount of time that you do it. And you don't have to huff and puff and hyperventilate, right? It would sound more like I'm breathing in, and I'm going to blow out the candles. I'm making a noise as I'm breathing so you can hear me. You don't have to make a noise. Okay. Because you can't see me. So very long exhale, right? Normal human breathing is about 12 breaths a minute. Yes. So no more than 12 breaths a minute. And if you can slow it down, that would be good. When I was in Japan at the Zen monastery, the meditation master called me in and said, you're disturbing the other meditators because you're breathing so fast. And I said, I'm only breathing three times a minute. I know because I'm counting. 
And she said, "Ah, yes, you are. Could you see if you could slow it down to two? Wow. Right. So that, you know, that, Mm -hmm. so you can kind of see the way ahead, right? When you get your, and basically what you're doing is you're exercising your diaphragm. When you breathe out, you're making your diaphragm work. And you, and that's why I say just start with a minute because you might even feel a little soreness. But you're going to bring up that lung capacity very, very quickly with breathing exercises and check out, you know, any, any book online thing that can help you with breathing exercises. And another easy exercise for breathing out is called singing. Singing, yes. Singing, right? Yes. So, yes, so you might want to just, whenever it's possible for you, to find yourself exhaling more by singing more. Okay. Thank you. And also Being so I have... important to us. Mm-hmm. I was just astonished. My herbal friend, Gretchen Gould, had a stroke that took out her speech center. It took her a couple of months, but she was able to regain speech because she's a singer. Oh, I hear that. Part of the brain involved in articulating words through singing is different than the part of the brain involved in articulating words as speaking. Mm-hmm. I hear that. Right? Um, so she still had that part, and she was able to come back to being able to speak. So get yourself some singing. It'll it'll do you good now, and it might do you good in the future, too. Also, Susan, is they, yeah. I heard you yeah, so I'm so, no problem with mullen, but I'm not so sure that mullen is what you need. I think that breathing is what you really need. Yeah. And if you have any access to thyme, you might want to try drinking some thyme tea now and then with some honey in it. Because thyme has a special affinity for opening up the bronchial area. You know, the thyme tea almost. Um, three, four times a week, I drink the thyme tea. I grow my okay. own thyme, and I do that. But I heard also breathe in and out through your nose is better than breathing out through mouth. What do you think? It is better to, when you are practicing breathing to breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth. Okay. Okay, okay thank you. Yes. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. Green listening. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. All right. And it looks like we have three callers that have pressed one to raise their hand. And the next caller is dialed in from the 203 area code. From the 203, you are live. Oh, here we go. From the 203, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Nora. Hi, Nora. Hi. I've called in the past. I'm calling back. Um, so my question is about hair, um, hair loss specifically. I'm trying to crack the hair loss code. It seems so difficult because there are just so many factors. You know, is it nutrition? Is it stress? Is it hormonal? There's just so many things. Um, but I just had a thought that it could possibly be environmental, um, 
So wanted to get your thoughts on that. I live in Montana, not at a super high altitude, at like 4,500 feet, but, I mean, there is less oxygen here. So, um, and it's super cold. So most of the year I'm not able to get barefoot on the earth. I'm not able to expose much skin to the sun. So I just had a thought that maybe that those factors could be leading to inflammation um, because it's kind of like just being inside a lot with forced air heating, which is, you know, very dehydrating. So, yeah, that's my question. Yes, you don't have to answer, but if you're willing to share how old you are with me. Sure. I am 37. And... You've been noticing hair loss for how long? Um, I would say the last three to four years. Um, I moved here two years ago. So I I kind of feel like the rate of loss has um, sped up since moving here. Have you any children? Again, you don't have to answer if you don't want to. No, I do not. Um, and is the hair loss equal all over your scalp, or is it more toward the front? Um, I would say pretty, um, pretty equal, but I have this, noticed my, my hairline. At this point, are you drinking a quart of nourishing herbal infusion a day? I am. Mm -hmm. And so I can pretty much assume that you are getting adequate protein from drinking the nourishing herbal infusions. Yeah. I do consume cannabis. I just want to throw that out there. So I know. Absolutely fine. should make your hair thicker and lusher, if anything. Um, So what we know is that there's a long, slow process of hair growth from follicles on the scalp. And not all follicles on the scalp are active at any one time. So what you're seeing is that fewer follicles are being active than used to be. They're still there. Mm -hmm. So our question becomes, what could you do to help activate those follicles? And the... Ordinary answers, which I think are good answers, are scalp massage. Mm-hmm. Again, that can just be with your fingertips, or you can even get like a little um, rubber plastic toothy thing that you can rub on your scalp. Mm-hmm. And both rosemary and lavender are considered herbs that really restore good functioning of the hair follicles. There used to be this really great rosemary shampoo 
from Italy that they started junking it up with essential oils. So what you can do is make a rosemary infusion. You're not going to drink it, but you can use a whole ounce of dried rosemary in a quart of water and keep it refrigerated. It'll stay good, usually for a, a month to six weeks. And when you want to use it to treat your scalp, and that's as frequently or infrequently as you want, you're going to probably want to warm it up because you don't want to dump cold rosemary burr all over your head. And massage that rosemary infusion into your scalp and hair. Wrap it up. If you don't want to drip tannic rosemary all over everything, you might want to actually use a plastic bag to contain it because it will stain. And so if you want to, put some plastic and then a towel to protect the towel, plastic to protect the towel as well. And just keep a, keep a little, you know, turban on your head of the rosemary infusion for an hour or so. Okay. Okay. I'll try that. Yeah, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for asking. Green blessings. Good night. Green blessings. Good night. All right, and... Moving right along, we'll go to the next caller who has dialed in from the 608 area code. In the 608, you are live with Susan. Hello, 608. Do you read me? All right, I'm not hearing anyone, and I'm noticing our guest is in the queue. We've only got about 30 minutes. Left. Wow, tonight went so fast. Um, it did, it did. Call. I'm glad the number one function was working tonight. Lots of wonderful questions. Thank you all for calling in. It is my pleasure to introduce Charlene Oosterling. She is the creative mind behind a stupid Good World International, which is bringing together her lifetime of experience as athlete, chef, artist, and life guide. Charlene has spent years studying herself and learning from her clients, her friends, and her mentors, and that's how she put together a stupid good world, which includes personal growth, spiritual and fitness tools, uh, and a progressive inspirational theme t-shirt clothing and livable art line. She's into self-recognition and accepting who you are right where you are with love, passion, and dedication to optimal health and fitness. This has led her to study not only what makes her drive and focus razor sharp, but how to teach others the same by using life experience purpose and other amazing tools as guides. After finishing a college and professional basketball career, Charlene was called by life down the path of studying life in order to heal her life with the help of three amazing healers using three different healing modalities charlene was able to surrender what she thought she knew about her life and to see it from a new perspective 
a perspective that let a pinhole of light be written from her soul through her fingertips. That pinhole of light became the title of her book. Welcome to the show, Charlene. Susan, thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And we're so happy to share um, the benefits of what you found out by studying yourself. I was just talking to a prospective apprentice, and I told her, as I tell every prospective living apprentice, if you want to study herbal medicine with me, buy my books and take a correspondence course. If you come to apprentice with me, what you're going to be studying is yourself. <laughs> yeah, I think some people have such a deep focus on the external that they don't realize they're the common denominator and unless they're willing to get really truthful with who they are and what they believe they keep searching for these things on the outside so you're such an amazing resource for people and an inspiring resource that you've taken this time to get to know yourself well enough to know the herbs and the ways of the earth and how those things work together with that truth. And if you're willing to dig deep enough and really examine who you are and what you believe, like all the answers are right there. Indeed. So here you were, a young woman with a professional basketball career. What happened? Um. You know, basketball was the love of my life, and even from a very young age, I knew that I would know when it was time to be done, and I don't think I knew at a young age what that meant, but as I got older, I realized that I had become defined by the game, and it was just a vehicle. So the more I learned on that road, the more I realized there were all these tools I could pick up from the game that I wasn't defined by the game, but it was enhancing my journey and just sharing tools with me along my experience. And I had the time of my life. I had a very tumultuous uh, college career and was blessed to, to reunite with a coach. And he was coaching in England and he said, do you want to come over? And so I made absolutely no money, but I was doing what I loved and learning in the process and it just became this great adventure and sure enough I did know when it was time to be done. And did that segue right into these three other mentors with the three healing modalities or did those come one at a time? No, those were so much later in my life, um, and they were they were along the path in different times. Two of my mentors, ironically, um, I I started cooking for clients because when I came back from England, people were kind of like, "Where's the other half of you? And how did you do it?" And it was an exaggeration, but my body type had shifted so much from when I left like nine months prior that I realized I could start teaching people how to move and how to eat to shift their own physicality. So I was living in Michigan at the time and 
long story short, I took a leap, spread my wings, packed everything I could get in my car and left for Miami. And somehow when I got to Miami, people heard that I was creating food for for certain modalities, like a, a woman with a child with autism or type 2 diabetic. I got into uh, four different cancers. Um, so along that path, the mentors came, and when I moved to Knoxville from Miami, uh, two of the mentors were there, and one ended up diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and the other a brain tumor. So it was pretty interesting. Um, the one with the brain tumor was just a, would never claim it, but he was just a really wise sage. And he called himself a Sherpa, which I've kind of adopted. And the other one was just a really sharp businessman who fell in love with my food. And I was trying to help him after he had been to the Pridkin Institute, um, keep weight off. And I became an allergen chef at a Jewish kids camp in the Poconos and got a message while I was there that he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. So it was kind of this trajectory to where I was led by everything I found, which enriched the journey and gave me tools for everything that came. And then I would just take what came next and kind of study up and what I had to shift from what I was already being offered to, to be able to help that person. So it's been a really cool journey of just really being aware and paying attention. Um, the three healers actually started. The first one was in Knoxville. She was a Reiki healer. And that that was so profound. It just, it just had me um, craving more of that type of, of knowledge from within. And it, that first session was was literally so profound i i couldn't i couldn't not keep going with the healing it dug up some really deep stuff and i had to really let go and get real with myself but i i have no regrets it was well worth it it is always i think well worth it when we really pay attention to ourselves when i was studying um, investment, the advice that seemed to really ring truest to me was invest in what you know. And I thought, well, then I guess I should get to know myself because that should be my biggest investment, shouldn't it? Yeah, that's a huge epiphany right there. <laughs> right. Are you, are you investing in yourself I, there's a little free library n near my supermarket, and I pulled out from there yesterday, but my Mar Marion Woodman, written decades ago, and it, it was talking about every, how we have to wear masks, and it's so you know difficult to um, find yourself behind the mask, and I thought to myself, I'm so glad that this is not so true now as it was then. Yeah, so many people have no idea that they're wearing one. <laughs> I mean, I think I think one one thing I challenge people to do when I pu do public speaking is to close their eyes and picture what they saw in the mirror that morning. And I think people look right through. They kind of take for granted it's them. 
but they don't really know who them is they're looking at. And that recall doesn't exist because there's no attention to detail of self. It's more judgment. And, and I think that's why people wear masks, you know, to, I have because a, a of the blame, because of the blame, shame, and guilt games that they play with themselves. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I, I believe when you, when you speak your truth, you hear your truth, and that's a lot of times why we're prompted to speak when other people are present. And mm. it's the same with when you look at yourself; you're giving others permission to look at you in that same way. How you talk to yourself you're giving people permission to talk to you the same way. I think that if that alone were recognized, people would want to take their masks off and really figure out who they're looking at so that all of that can change. But like you stated earlier, like awareness is key to everything. So that's kind of a hard nut to crack for some people, just being present in the now. Just being present, which is, why we are all here to help each other be mm-hmm. more present because we always need reminders. So one of your reminders is a book you wrote. <laughs> Tell us about yes. the book. Uh, the book was originally called uh, Going to the Coke Machine, and a friend of mine wrote a book, and I called the woman who helped him bring it to life and the I wasn't meant to work with her but I was meant to take away the message that I needed to change the title and so I changed it to a pinhole of light which does make a lot more sense um it's about a recall I had in my 30s sitting in my apartment in Miami Beach um having a recall back to when I was 11 years old And I was a gopher in the band. I wasn't old enough to be in the high school band, but my mom was a band mom. And my sister was in color guard. So I would be able to go to band camp and be the gopher. But when the end of band camp dance camp, I had to go home. And I always felt more connected to the older soul. And so I was wanting to stay. And here I am sitting in this dark cafeteria And my mom is angry about something, telling me it's time to go home. And I set my sights on this Coke machine that was sitting in front of me in the cafeteria. And to my left, I can still see and hear the DJ playing Bob Seger old-time rock and roll, and people were coming in, walking in front of me. And somehow this tiny pinhole of light grabbed my attention from the Coke machine, and When I focused on that pinhole of light, everything got dark. I didn't hear Bob Seger. I didn't see people walking in front of me. I was in kind of this time and space that only I existed in. And so I didn't really realize at the time what was going on, but it seemed like I had been there a long time when I felt something tug my arm, and it was my mom saying, I said we're going home. So she yanked me back into the current reality. And here I am sitting in my 30s with a broken foot, and I'm having this recall back to what I call chapters in the book are epiphanic recalls. So the first epiphanic recall was going to the Coke machine back in in the time when I was 11 and realizing, like, we have the ability to 
create any reality we want from a place of darkness or nothing. And it, it brought the epiphany like the answer to everything is nothing. If you can find the light, the pinhole of light through that darkness, you can pretty much control every, everything in that, in that reality that you want to create. So the book is through after the first epiphanic recall, I started having more of these recalls back to how powerful I was as a, as a child before I lost the full belief in myself and my abilities and my gifts and, you know, became too human and too adult all in the same breath. I hear you about that pinhole of light. Every doorway is a doorway to wholeness. Yeah, it's, again, like being in this space where I I wanted to um, – I kind of always wanted to fit in until I really knew who I was. And then I was really good with not fitting in with kind of being the catalyst and just doing my own thing. And I have always been a lot more comfortable in that space with my inner guides and my inner voice. And I, I disconnected more so in my thirties to forties from that with life experience coming at me. But the book allowed me to come back to, see myself as this 12-year-old cape-wearing superhero self that is Charlie, which was my, my childhood nickname. So I kind of... Ah, I just, Charlie! Yeah, <laughs> I just turned 52, and I'm, I'm even greater living from that space of my 12-year-old superhero self. So I think age really doesn't hold much relevance. You know, it's it's a number of experiences, and what are you going to do with those experiences are the, the bigger question. Indeed. What are you going to do with your experiences? What Elizabeth Kubler-Ross taught me was that my illusion of control is what triggers blame, shame, and guilt. Mm-hmm. And insofar as I am wedded to the belief that I can control my life, I will always be mired down in blame, shame, and guilt. And it is only when I relinquish my false belief in control. Now, I'm certainly capable of getting some firewood in so that I don't freeze to death this winter. But that's different than control. Mm-hmm. That's pre-planning. You're always allowed to pre-plan. You're allowed to make your life pleasant, easy, and so. But we must understand that the only place that there's ever any control is in our own attitude. We have no control over the circumstances of our life. In fact, one of the things that you found out was that going with the flow of your life rather than trying to control it brought you great benefit. Yeah, I I play this game with my inner guides called Word Wars. And someone said to me um, last week, I had done an event, and she was present at the event and apparently was kind of watching me from afar. And she said, you know, I really admire what you do, and you're just a fighter. 
and I just looked at her and I laughed and I put my hand on her shoulder and I said, no, I'm not a fighter. I'm a flower. And she goes, <laughs> well, yeah, but, but you know what I mean. And I well, said, then perhaps you want to remove the really out of place razor sharp in your description of yourself. I know what you mean. Yeah. It's a violent image. And it's also an image of self-harm. Yeah, I, um, I'm really careful. With it just kind of what, stood out for me when I was, you know, reading your introduction. I thought, whoa, what is that razor doing there? If I have an opportunity to say something to her, I, I will. Because I, I understand what you're getting at about being focused and being clear and being committed and following through and being responsible. And I envision a world in which we don't need to make ourselves into razors. That's the whole idea of surrender and flowing rather than fighting. Yes, exactly. Did you have fun writing the book? I really did. Um, my my Reiki healer laughed at me when I told her the deadline I gave myself. <laughs> and I, I realized in the months to follow why she laughed because it – the more connected I I was to my my inner self and my twelve year old cape wearing superhero self, the more the words just flew out of my fingertips onto the keyboard. And every time I tried to think about it and write, nothing would come. And it was just very. The first eleven of twenty two Epiphanic Recalls was published, so I have twelve through twenty two coming, and. It's it was a volume, not, too. All right. Yeah, it's not time yet because the manuscript has disappeared. <laughs> so um, it's still in my computer, but I, I full well know it. I'll know just like the writing came. It will come when I'm meant to do it. So, yeah, it gets it gets more fun. I think the first 11... Um, where a, it was a lot of the pain of my life, and the second 11 was a greater experience that I took and was able to undefine anything painful or traumatic into just an experience that turned into a dot, and those dots are connecting to get me to the path to my purpose. So the next 11 yeah, are going to be interesting. That is a really great image of connecting the dots. Yeah, it came while I was while I was letting the words come through me and I just realized we we put ourselves under this like you said the masks but the guise of of definition and I often challenge people to to um write the definition and the belief of themselves to to, to define the difference of what they think they are and what they truly are and when you can undefine a trauma, it doesn't mean you don't feel it. It doesn't mean that you don't acknowledge it, but you don't give it authority to be victimizing anymore. You just 
understand you were meant to experience that to take the tool to pass on like you said we help each other in that way and it's it's a they become very powerful tools instead of repetitive patterns of trauma or victimization i had an apprentice who in her early days here kept telling me that she was very traumatized and i asked her repeatedly to tell me how she had been traumatized and she reacted with a lot of shame and um, didn't think that she should talk about it. And I basically, you know, after a few days said to her, well, if you're not going to really tell me what happened, I can't really help you. I really need you to tell me. And so she finally did. And she had been living with her boyfriend for several years, and then she and her boyfriend broke up. And about six months later, her boyfriend got together with her best friend, and eventually they got married. And she felt so betrayed by both of them and so ashamed. And I looked at her, and I said, you're going to think it a little cruel of me, but I have to tell you that your story just brings up this deep belly laugh. Because without this situation, there would be no opera, there'd be no ballet, there'd be no music, there'd be no drama, there'd be no novels. This is the stuff of life. It's not something that you should be ashamed of. And, I mean, really, when all is said and done, for goodness sakes, they waited six months before they even started dating. That was pretty generous of them. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she looked at me, and I could tell she was just as sore as anything to me that I hadn't bought her whole victim shtick. <laughs> and it was at that point that she had to decide whether she was going to grab her victim and run with it and leave, or whether she was going to surrender her victim. Hmm. And not use it as her defining thing. Now, there's a lot of social goodies that come from defining yourself as a victim. Let's not overlook that. Mm. But you don't get well from it. No. And that, there's that's there's the real layers. problem there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Is that you You get the goodies of being the victim, but you have to remain the victim. And when all is said and done, it's really not a very attractive place to be. So would you tell people how they can get your book and how they can get in touch with you and if they come to visit your website, what they're going to find? So the website is pretty interesting. It's it's a whole stupid good world. So open it. It it talks about my journey and the different facets from mental shift to nutritional to movement to master shift and the tools that we offer to to have people write the own their own story the way they want. Um, the food is very fun. It's stupid good food. 
and the book has been published on Amazon. And I want to so tell it's... everybody that she spells stupid with two O's. Yeah, I think you'll find this interesting. Um, people that were really close to me that were in marketing fought me on the name for a long time. And then finally a man came into my life, long story short, that the only reason I needed to have a conversation with him because he was uh, – he knows the natural food industry and has been in funding with wild oats and Chipotle. And, and the first thing he said to me was the food was good. He goes, we were impressed, but your name will bring people back. It's amazing. So that's all I really needed to go run with it. And then years later, <laughs> I was in a place I hadn't been in a while and two things happened. One, I walked back into the room that I, re-entered from three years prior and I heard who you were the last time you were here <laughs> and then I, and then I was given stupid's acronym so so stupid actually stands for start to overcome oppressive practices internalized daily so start regardless to over Start to overcome oppressive practices, what, daily? Internalized. Internalized daily. Okay, got it. So it brought me back to really play with, with the word stupid, and now I've got some, some funky taglines when, when people go into their victimization mode or keep, people can't seem to get out of their own way, I tell them to stop putting the you in stupid. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Get those O's in stupid. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a fun way to attack finding, finding who you really are and creating your own reality. Um, the book, I think, everybody will have some significant relation to the experiences in and maybe find their own and the rest is just really fun it's bright and colorful and funky and um it's worth exploring at least all right so stupidgoodworld.com is that where we're going to find you it's a stupid good world with two o's good world, okay, and two O's in stupid. Don't put the U in stupid. Right. Get you out of stupid. A stupid good world. All right. Wonderful. What did you want to talk about tonight that we haven't talked about yet? Um, I think going into um this time and knowing 24 is going to be a very powerful year and we're in a time and space now where people can dig into who they are if they choose to and the only way to move forward in in our world the way it is I believe that the biggest problem is self-segregation I think it's not a societal thing. It's people don't know who they are and believe what they believe. So it's an empowering time in our world. the epidemic of loneliness. 
Yes. Because if we don't even have ourselves, how lonely do we feel? Yes. And if you take the L out of love and put it in alone, you get all one. All one. Ah. Well, I believe that I believe that what you are doing and what we are all doing is reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients. And I want to thank you for the verve and the passion and the curiosity and the gathering together of so many things that you bring to this great reweaving of the healing cloak. Thank you so much. And Sarah Ellen, thank you for working with me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. I love you, Ryan Drum. You're the patron saint of our Red Clover Conference. Green blessings, everybody. Until next week.